Welcome to the Am I Hunting Podcast, and on this episode, I will be going over my late season strategy for the remainder of the season. Alright, well, welcome back to the Am I Hunting Podcast, and it has been quite a season. I've been, it seems like the season has been kicking my butt uh, overall. So at least here in Michigan, you know, I've, I've been hunting my tail off. I've had a few good encounters, but it's been tough hunting so far. And we're looking at, you know, here in Michigan, we're two thirds of the way through the season. Uh, we've just got the month of December left and that's it. I know some other states, they go into January, so they got a little bit more time, but that clock is ticking here in Michigan. So and before I sing too much of my woes, congratulations to all of you that have been successful at harvesting a buck this year so far, or have been able to put some meat in the freezer by harvesting does. Or, but for the rest of us that are out there that are still on the hunt, trying to fill some leftover tags from the season, you know, again, there is still time. So again, on this episode, I'm going to dive into a little bit of some different strategies I'm going to implement for the remainder of the month, as well as kind of go over some things that you might potentially see, um, or maybe I'll take advantage of uh, for the rest of the season here. So with the late season comes some different challenges, as well as some unique opportunities that you can try to take advantage of. So for the challenges, you know, we're going to start out kind of with the bad here, the stars. So you know, first off, again, the rut is over. We've, you know, we've missed that or we're past that prime, you know, that prime time, you know, that best hunting of the year. And now that the Orange Army has made their appearance and the dust is finally starting to settle, a lot of these deer have been pressured very hard throughout uh, the past couple weeks or few weeks, I should say, which may make the hunting more difficult going forward as these deer are quite on edge and potentially have changed up their patterns, uh, potentially being more nocturnal on you. And then the other thing is the habitat and food sources have changed. Uh, so, you know, with the late season and the cold weather and the snow, you know, those deer are going to start focusing on the best food sources in their area. And if you're in an area that doesn't have that good food source, uh, then you're going to have a, a hard time uh, being able to get on these deer potentially. Now on the good side, there are some unique opportunities that you'll run into here in the late season. You know, the first one is that is that second rut. Now, you know, I'm certainly a firm believer that the second rut is a real thing, and that if you're in the right area, or if or if the situation or the circumstances um, are right in your area, then you could potentially capitalize um, from this. So that last few days, or first, I'm sorry, first few days in December, you know, you have the potential for um, some does to go into cycle, and some of those, again, some of those bucks will key in on that. And then now that, you know, especially with these cold temperatures, you know, those deer are gonna start transitioning back to more of a bed to feed pattern. And of course, with the presence of snow, you know, you have some opportunities you know, being able to get on deer and, you know, with the snowfall, it's going to make them, you know, more visible. 
um, just snowfall and hunting go hand in hand. You know, every hunter loves seeing, you know, some fresh snow on the ground. So right now we're in, we're in the midst of muzzleloader season, you know, for the, for the remainder of this week here. And then a couple weekends from now, it will be the antlerless um, firearm. Um, so you do have another opportunity to bust that rifle out and harvest some does if you're still needing to do so. So what are some things to uh, expect with some of these opportunities? So that second rut, with that second rut, you know, does are going to end up coming back into estrus if they haven't been bred from the from the primary rut. And then also fawns are going to be going into estrus if they are um, big enough or healthy enough um, to do so. So and I'm going to dive right into this. I actually just today watched a video that the National Deer Association put out where they talk about the second rut and there being a good side and a bad side or uh, a good a good sign and a bad sign if you have that second rut occur in your area. So the bad is that if you have a mature doe that has gone into estrus again for the secondary rut, then that's potentially a sign that you know your doe to buck ratio is out of whack. You know, essentially indicating that you know there weren't enough bucks to be able to breed all the does that went into estrus. Now, typically, in an ideal world. You know, you're looking at roughly about a one-to-one -one ratio, a buck-to-doe ratio. So there's more than enough bucks to be able to breed all the does in that first cycle. So if you run that situation where if you do have that secondary rut uh, occur in your area and it's a mature doe, um, then that may be an indication that either you have too many does or not enough bucks in your area. Now the good thing or the good sign um, of the secondary rut is if you have any fawns that go into are going in that estrus for that secondary rut. So if you see bucks chasing, uh, you know, a, a fawn, then that's an indication that 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 fawn has probably have gone into estrus and is ready to be bred. Now that's a good sign if you have that happening in your area. That's an indication that the, those fawns are, or that fawn is, you know, at a healthy weight and has been able to grow, you know, big enough, fast enough to be able to be bred that first season. So if you do have some does that go into that cycle uh, during this time frame, you have the potential for a lot of those older bucks that have been through a season already are going to key in on on those does going into estrus. That, you know, those older bucks are aware of this potential of that secondary rut and knowing that some of these does and fawns are going to go back into cycle again. So you may see that rutting activity again. Now again, it's going to be a, for a brief window and it'll be limited because um, there's not going to be the, as many does uh, going into that cycle. So some things that you can do uh, tactics-wise to be able to capitalize on the secondary rut is that you'll, you may notice that scrapes are going to start opening up again. So if you do see that a, a scrape of, has been freshly worked, then that may be a good you know, spot to be able to focus on is that they are going to check those, check those scrapes again. Another one, if you had a historical area during the primary rut where bucks visited or that you knew saw, you know, significant bud activity, then you may want to focus in on those areas as well. And again, getting back onto those scrapes again, you know, I, I want to bring up this example from um, some 
trail camera pictures I got from last year where it was um, like nine in the morning and there was these does um, around my camera around this mock scrape that I had made. And a few pictures in, here comes a big mature buck um, coming in to, I'm assuming to check out these does because he ended up you know, hanging around the area. I got a few pictures of him nosing around. He worked that scrape and then and then he was gone again on the pictures. Now the date on this on these pictures was December 9th. So he was definitely keen in on those does and ended up working that scrape. So my assumption is is that one of those does in that in that photo uh, must have been either you know, in cycle or that buck was, you know, was following those doe, that doe scent and wanted to check them out to see if any of them were, were ready. Now, the other thing that a lot of people are going to key on to is that a lot of those deer are going to go back to a, a bed to feed, you know, regimen. You know, with these cold temperatures, you know, deer are going to want to be feeding to keep up with their energy reserves. And then those bucks, you know, having gone through the ringer, you know, going through the rut, they're going to want to try to recuperate. And the same thing goes for those does too. You know, they've been harassed by those bucks, um, so they need to replenish as well. And what I've observed over uh, the few years, especially doing more and more of late season hunting, is that a lot of times those does are going to start moving in to the closest bedding to the food um, as they can. So the first good cover that's next to that food, those does are going to move in as close as they can you know, to that food source, you know, instead of them bedding further back, you know, especially, you know, if you get a good snowfall or once the snowfall has come, you'll notice that there'll be beds right on the edge of those food sources. So if you got a field edge or a food plot, uh, more than likely, if you walk through there, there's going to be several beds, you know, within probably a few yards of that food source. So in another bedding that they're going to be looking for is anything that has overhead thermal coverage. So a lot of times you're looking at pines, cedars, that type of thing, or even, you know, if you have uh, some type of terrain feature, like a ditch or some type of hill, they're going to key in on those as well, trying to get out of the wind. So the hills that may be on the backside or the, you know, the backside of that hill out of the wind or down in some lowland areas where they're not going to get the wind nearly as much. And then for the bucks, you know, again, they're going to stick to their secure cover. You know, one thing you can kind of focus on too is areas um, where hunting pressure was low um, or, you know, if you had a sanctuary area or if you know an area where, you know, no one was in, you know, some those bucks are probably going to be moving into those areas where they were not disturbed. But don't, uh, don't forget some of those overlooked areas. You know, if there's a thick, you know, dense area of cover that may be, you know, even if it's still close to a road or, or even um, just an isolated patch of cover. Um, that can be something you can key on. So we actually, a good number of years ago, we were doing a deer drive and we were pushing these pines and basically it was a, a patch of pines, open field, patch of pines, open field. And we were just going from one patch of pines and just kind of moving, um, moving down the rows um, in between those sections of, you know, open field to pines, open field to pine. Well, one of the open fields, there was an overgrown lilac bush. 
And as we were making our way across this open field to get to the next set of pines, out pops this doe out of this uh, lilac bush that was in the middle of this field, which caught all of us off guard because uh, we're just walking through and all of a sudden this doe comes busting out um, while we're walking through. So in the midst of this open field, surrounded by all this other great cover, that doe decided to pick that little spot where she felt secure in an area that, you know, none of us certainly, you know, had expected this, this deer to be in. So don't, uh, don't overlook um, some potential, you know, very small, you know, dense cover areas um, that can be easily overlooked. So, and again, with that good food source, you know, you really want to key on that best food source um, as long as it hasn't already been overhunted. So if it has been hunted pretty heavily and you notice that some of those deer, you know, are, are, are nocturnal on you or they're not coming in until after dark, then you may have to key on on some potentially secondary food sources or even you may have to um, try to catch them. Um, in their transition area or in between that food to bed to food, you know, travel route to be able to get, you know, have them come in before, before dark. So I actually kind of ran into this situation a little bit when I used to hunt over at my mom's place where um, they had a small parcel and their property was just a, basically a transition area or part of their travel route um, from food to bedding. And as it got into the late season, um, or as it basically got later and later into the season, it became to the point where I really had a hard time hunting it because by the time the deer made it through, it was already, or it was still dark, or it was already dark by the time they came through um, to head to their evening feedings. And with it being such a small parcel, I could only move so far you know, to be able to potentially catch them before that, uh, before it got dark or before, um, or after it got light out. So if you're in an area where you don't have a lot of wiggle room to be able to move around, um, then you may have a hard time, um, uh, if those deer have, you know, switched to a nocturnal, uh, time frame on you, or they're not, you know, not appearing until after dark. Now, if you are going to try to push into, you know, closer to that bedding or off that food source to try to catch them ahead of time, you're going to be wanting very, be very, very careful about your access route and, you know, controlling your scent and watching where that wind's coming from. Because these deer are probably already going to be on edge quite a bit. And if they detect any bit of danger, um, they're probably going to bug out. And with the deer grouping up now and herding up more, if you spook out one deer, you may potentially spook out several deer especially if you're already pushing for that, you know, pushing closer to run out of daylight, once those deer are spooked, you're probably not going to see anything for the remainder of the night um, as you start to run out of daylight. So again, a lot of times you're going to be focused on those food sources. Again, only in the evening time. You know, you can try to hunt that staging area or that travel route back to bedding. But again, do be careful with that. Because there's good likelihood, especially that mature buck, he's probably already going to be back to his bed uh, well within dark or well, you know, well before daylight. Um, so you, you may have a hard time getting in there or getting set up uh, without spooking them out or, you know, being in there 
you know, before they make it back. So really, you know, a lot of people are going to be kind of on the same page where you're going to focus on that food source late, late in the day and really kind of abandon either that morning hunt and just kind of focus on hunting those food sources in the evening during the late season. So in the weather that I really, you know, key on, again, you want to focus on, you know, weather conditions that are going to drive deer to need to get up and go feed. You know, one of the easiest one is if you're dealing with very, very cold temperatures. You know, if you're looking at, you know, teen temperatures or single digit temperatures, you know, that severe cold is going to force deer to have to get up and feed. And then another good thing to focus on is if you have severe weather. So if you have blizzard-like conditions, high winds, freezing rain, anything significant that could potentially uh, make these deer stay bedded down and suppress their feedings, once that weather breaks, then those deer are going to want to get up and get up and feed. Um, and we actually have that situation, um, essentially, it looks like for the next few days here. So so we've had some significant weather, um, and, the, and the temps are going to be dropping here in the next few days. So with this significant wind and snow that we've got in the past two days, essentially, I'm going to try to get out tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, and try to capitalize on that. Hopefully with this weather, it's suppressed that feedings. Those cold temperatures are going to make these deer have to get up on their feet. And hopefully I can capitalize on, on catching these deer as they make their way out to the food plot needing to get some food in them. So again, what I'm looking at is very cold temperatures after some severe weather that has come through. And a lot of times I kind of like a high pressure day, some sunshine, you know, partly sunny cloud or sunny skies, um, something that you know, it's not going to have that cloud cover that kind of hold in with the remaining of the heat from the day. And with any luck, you know, that drive to, to feed is going to keep those or get those deer up before dark, get them out on the food sources out in the open. And of course, with the late season, we've got snow. I've already touched base a little bit about, isn't it, you know, in the hunting world, um, I haven't heard of anyone that doesn't like a fresh snow when they go out to go hunt. You know, that fresh snow makes it really easy to be able to find fresh deer sign. But again, with that fresh snow, you can get those fresh tracks, fresh beds, and you can really start to key in on some of those concentrations and those travel routes that those deer are using. So with fresh snow, leads into, I think, one of my um, growing um, interests and in ways to be able to hunt, and that's tracking. So I've always been really, really interested in, in the art of tracking deer and hunting them that way. Um, I grew up with a family friend that he was, he was exceptional at it. Uh, he, I would sit around as he talked with my dad and hunting stories about these bucks that he could pinpoint and track for very long distances. You know, he would it was almost mythical um, on to me at the time of how he was able to do this. He would, you know, track these deer down. If he hit a property line that he couldn't, you know, cross, he would go around it and try to pick up those tracks again on the other side of that property. And there would have been instances where he was able to and continue on the track of that, of that, you know, of that buck. And he was usually pretty successful to be able to track them down. So I've always been really intrigued with that. Uh, with that skill set. So uh, the past couple of years, I've tried to 
you know, kind of focus on that a little bit for that late season. And it's a, it's a really, I really enjoy it. It's a very active way of hunting, um, especially after you've been, you know, usually doing the tree stand thing or sitting in your blind, you know, doing the ambush style. It is really fun to be able to change it up a little bit. So with this fresh snow and this late season, it's a great time to go out and try to cut a track, basically go after them. So again, I'm very much still a novice at this. Um, so basically what I'm looking for is a couple of different things. If I'm, I'm looking for a big track that's by itself, essentially. So a single deer and a really good looking size track. Now, again, I'm not very good at being able to tell you what, what you know, what's a big track and what's not, you know, basically I'm at the point where I'm just kind of going over. If it looks like a really big track to me and it's by itself, then I can anticipate he's either a big lone doe or potentially a buck at that point. And then also if I'm looking at a, a you know a trail that had several deer on it, you know, I'm basically trying to pinpoint on if there's a track in there that's much bigger than the remainder of the deer. So I actually was able to do this a little bit of practice uh, during the earlier bow season because uh, I knew of the, or I had seen a good buck in the area and knew where he was crossing so I was able to look at this two track um, that was pretty sandy and be able to look at his track in comparison to some of the other deer so I've kind of built up a little bit of practice being able to look at deer tracks in comparison to others so again it's really just taking a look at the tracks that are in the area in comparison to, and comparing them by size and ultimately just if you see one that appears to be big to you um then you know go ahead and try going after that that deer and seeing what comes up at the end of the trail if you can so and again not having a ton of experience with it i really focus on some of this the kind of the basic um you know things that i've read or have heard people talk about um, when they you know when they are going through um and tracking a deer so one of the ones that really stuck out to me was um it's kind of like a freeway example where if it's straight like a freeway then you can go fast like a freeway you know basically with that deer you know going in a straight line you know it's a good indication that that deer's on the move and trying to get to a destination and then once you hit the exit and you take a turn or if it starts to wander or make some turns and curves then that's the time to slow down because you're at your exit um, you know, basically that, that the one example I read was, you know, that buck's on the freeway trying to get home. Once he's taking the exit, then he's right around the corner from getting home. So once you see that 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 trail starts to wander a little bit, then that's the time you want to slow down and start really paying attention uh, to the area around you. The other thing is you want to make sure that you keep your head up and looking around um, as you're following that track. And again, it's pretty easy too to look at if you're in an open area where it's kind of the, the big woods where it's kind of the big open mature trees and you can see for a ways. Then again, you can speed up until you get down to an area where the, air, the cover gets a little bit thicker. And again, that's where you want to slow down again. And again, make sure you're paying attention with that head up. Uh, there's been even just a few several times this year where um you know i was after done with my sit and i do kind of like some still 
hunting and scouting on my way back to the to the truck and while i was doing that you know basically when i started getting into areas where it looked like there was some good sign in the area um you know as i'm as i'm looking the area over uh two different times in the same day i had does actually come at me um because basically they're on the trail that i was basically had stopped on um you know looking at the sign they actually came you know down that trail and you know gave me a couple encounters with them so if you're in the area where you're on that track you know don't be surprised if you have deer um they're coming down the other way on that track towards you or you know are coming into that trail to, to use that trail as well so again that's why it's very important to be able to keep your head up um, and looking around so make sure you're paying attention to of when you get into those thick areas or where or where you start to notice and then that 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 trail is starting to wander and that you feel like you might be getting close you know certainly you know a lot of people have, you know brought this up i'm sure you're well aware of it where you know a lot of times especially the buck will do like a j hook or he'll loop around uh, his bedding area you know basically checking that downwind side of that bedding area to make sure it's secure so as you're starting to get close that buck may be bedding you know, off to the side of that main trail that you're following in as you looped around or created that U, you know, U shape or J hook uh, coming back into his bed. So as you get close to that thicker cover, um, start making sure that you're watching the sides of the, off that trail. Again, focusing on making sure you keep your head up and paying attention. Because what, what you may even end up happening is that you may actually walk past where that buck is lane and they might just watch you and let you walk on by you know i had this happen um i'm on the farm i hunt uh, a few years ago where where i was getting set up uh basically it was november 14th i was done hunting and i was just kind of making my way over to basically prep my blind for the you know the hunt the next morning Put my stuff down next to the trail heading back up to the house walked up to my, did my stuff by the blind i came back and i had stopped and lingered there just to pick my stuff up again and all of a sudden this buck busts out of this pine tree that was 15 20 yards away from me and runs off and what i realized is that he was bedded there when i walked up put my stuff down and because i just kind of put my stuff down and kept walking he ended up just kind of watching me go by. But the, when I came back and lingered a little bit, that got him nervous enough to actually jump up out of his bed and run off. So and that um, brings up another thing that I remember reading um, just, just this past week where, you know, uh, a guy was talking about how when he's, you know, either still hunting or, um, you know, tracking a deer, that if he ends up in a situation where, he's walking and realizes that there's a buck and is watching him or a deer watching him you know what he'll end up doing instead of instantly stopping and you know basically alerting that deer that he's aware of aware of his presence what he tries to do is that especially if he's not in a situation to be able to uh, shoot the deer right away is that he'll actually keep walking until he can you know compose himself enough to be able to 
in a nice fluid motion, you know, bring his gun up, gun up or draw his bow and be able to shoot the deer. You know, basically by continuing on your path, uh, the deer may just continue to stand there and watch you. But if you make that sudden stop, and especially if you start to turn and make other movements towards it, then it's more than likely going to spook out of there before you get the opportunity. But if you can, you know, see the see the deer and kind of plan your movement to make it kind of fluid, you may get an opportunity. Now, he had talked about how he had learned kind of that tactic um, or had heard of Fred Bear doing that. Um, of course, Fred Bear did it with archery equipment, but he said that he was, wasn't quite skilled enough to be able to pull it off with a bow, but with a firearm, um, he's been able to harvest several deer that way. So it's one thing to keep in mind, you know, it's going to be hard not to instantly stop as soon as you see that deer. But if you catch that deer in the corner of your eye and you see that it's watching you, just continue on moving until you can get in a situation uh, to be able to try to take that shot um, without spooking it ahead of time. And another thing to really make sure that if before you start doing uh, any tracking or try to track down a deer, make sure that you do have uh, plenty of room to be able to do that. You know, one of the last things that uh, you want to do is when you're in the middle of a track, end up in a property line that you can't cross. So whenever I try going out tracking, you know, I usually go out to the state land or on federal land or something like that, somewhere where I know I have plenty of room uh, to be able to follow this track. Now, again, if you're more experienced with it, then you might be able to do it on a small, smaller parcel. But if you're new to it like I am, uh, you're going to want lots of room to be able to do that. And so far with my experience of doing this type of hunting, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to run into deer. Um, so you want to make sure you're ready because uh, there's also very good chances that um, they're going to catch you off guard. and Or you're going to get in a situation where you're getting close to a deer and you're going to get just enough to where you're going to feel comfortable get in position and they're going to bust and you're going to miss your opportunity. So there's a good likelihood that you're going to get opportunities. There's also a very good chance that you're not going to be able to capitalize on it or it may get screwed up in some way. But it, that's kind of the risk that you run uh, with this type of hunting that's a little bit more aggressive where you know you may get more opportunities, but then there's that also higher potential to uh, miss out on that opportunity. And I love this way of hunting too especially during the late season it was a great way to scout uh, while you're hunting so especially on when i'm doing state land you know it's a great way to be able to kind of scout new areas uh, while i'm hunting so a lot of times if i find a good area that i haven't hunted before i'm going to pin it on my hunting app and know that that's a potential uh, hunting spot for the following year so and another thing that i um, want to kind of cover too or touch base on is that you know a lot of times you want to follow your gut when when you're tracking these deer so what I've had happen a couple times now is that I get to an area where I'm just kind of like ah there's probably a deer in this area but I don't see anything and next thing I know I take a few more steps and there goes the deer and it busted out so I catch I found myself not being quite prepared you know even though my gut told me that there's a good likelihood that there's deer in the area or that this is a good area to hold deer and if I'm not seeing it right away uh, then I 
have the tendency of being like, well, they must not be here. Maybe I'm wrong. And then, you know, a few steps later, you realize that there was a deer there the whole time. So if you get to a spot where you think you're getting close, um, it's a really good time to really slow down, really pay attention to your area, even if you need to stop and really just kind of stop and listen and watch. You know, this goes back to the example of that buck busting out once I came back. I'm sure you've either had it happen to you or have heard the stories of people that they can just walk by a deer and they just stand there and watch them. But if you stop and linger there, it's gonna eventually they're gonna start getting nervous. So even if they feel like they're secure and they're watching you, if you end up stopping, um, the longer you're there, it's gonna start getting more more and more nervous. And eventually they may, you know, not be able to take it anymore and stand up and try to get out of there, thinking that um, that you're onto them. So that's another thing I'm gonna try to make sure I'm doing this year is that you know if I'm in an area where it seems like it's really good and I and I feel like I'm really close. Uh, is really just take it as slow as you can at that point. Really watch and pay attention and be ready. Because if you're on a good track and you're in a suspected area that's you know really good cover, or you suspect that they're you know they've got to be close, then they probably are. But again, you know these are just some basic guidelines. Um, a lot of them that are ones I've kind of just read and try to follow as best I can as well. So certainly if you're getting tired of sitting in the tree stand or sitting in the blind, you know, if you, especially with this cold weather and whatnot, it's kind of good to be able to get up, move around a little bit. It's a good active way to be able to hunt and scout at the same time. And it's a good way to take advantage of that, um, you know, dual purpose hunting there. So in closing and kind of as a recap, you know, again, um, keying in on a good food source in the evening is really the the standard tactic in the late season now again if you're in an area where you don't have that good food source or if that food source has been uh, heavily pressured then it may you may have to either you know if you're if that food source has been pressured again you may have to look at some potentially secondary food sources or move a little bit closer uh, into that cover area to be able to get to those deer before dark and then if you want to take a more active approach, you know, doing some still hunting in the late season or tracking during the late season is another very good tactic. It's, again, you're able to do some scouting while you're doing it. It has a good change of pace. You know, you're going to be ending up in areas where you probably haven't hunted before, and you may even stumble into some areas where those deer are feeling secure and that hunters haven't gone into. And you may end up, you know, get into a good area and some good deer and again if you're in an area where you've got that secondary rut you know this is that time frame of being able to potentially capitalize it again if it's in your area if you do have any does that go into estrus there's a good likelihood that some of those bigger mature bucks um, know about it and are going to show up so they may give you that opportunity as well and then certainly if you are one of those lucky few that are tagged out for the season uh, again it's not a bad time to get out there and do some scouting already and getting prepared for next year you know again the saying goes you know the last day of this season is the first day of the next season uh, to be able to start preparing for the next hunting season as well and then for the rest of us out there that are still out there trying to get it done 
good luck to you hopefully some of these uh, tactics and some of these you know scenarios have helped uh, hopefully help you out in in the next few days and weeks and again good luck to you be safe out there and try to stay warm all right